Welcome to episode two of Wayward Muse. As a thank you for joining our brand new podcast, we are offering 10% off our entire catalog found at yourwaywardmuse.com. Just use code listen to your muse to save on bar, kitchen, and home supplies and our exclusive line of merchandise. Today, we are releasing the insights Brandon Phillips of the Duck Inn gave to us about classic drinks. Stay tuned to the end for a sneak peek into who our next rock star guest might be. And of course, if you enjoy this content, let us know by subscribing and reviewing us. Let's dive in. Well, first and foremost, thank you for being the first person to say yes to doing the shoot. It was so cool to come in here and just be like, you know what, let's just let's just ask. Let's just see if he'd be down. And then it, it totally worked out. So I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, so Kevin and I opened this place together. Uh, I moved to Chicago, gosh, I guess maybe about, um, right about 2011, 2010, 2011. Uh, and I moved down here really to do this in a sense. I uh, had bounced around the country. Um, you know, dropped out of college, bounced around the country, was trying to find self, find what I wanted to do. And uh, yeah, and started working in bars and this and that. I was actually brewing beer a lot, which was uh, kind of a love of mine. And I thought I wanted to get into that. So I moved back to Wisconsin, uh, where I'm from, thinking I could get going with that. And I was still bartending and just really loved uh, bartending. I always kind of equate uh, brewing is a little more like baking and uh, mm, so uh, yeah, so precise, kind of a such chemistry element. And uh, uh, whereas bartending is a little more like cooking on the line, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a little more um, fast paced, freewheeling, get to chat with people. Uh, and you can also be kind of creative on the spot. So that was really what drew me to it. I, I came down here, uh, my brother's lived in the city for a long time. I came down here to see him. And, you know, we went to like Violet Hour and the Whistler and a couple places that were fairly new at that time. Um, I just kind of caught this bug and decided I uh, really wanted to, to get into making classic cocktails and so on and so forth. And, um, and so, yeah, I moved down here and was uh, lucky enough to land a apprenticeship under Charles Jolie at, uh, the unfortunately now defunct drawing room that used to be in the Gold yeah, yeah. Coast. Uh, and so I was there for a couple of years, had a few mentors there. Um, and then met Kevin Hickey, you know, he was, uh, the executive chef of the Four Seasons at that time. So he used to come to drawing room a lot. Uh, we kind of became buddies, opened place, uh, together. And, uh, and then it was called Bottle Fork. It was a different restaurant group. Yeah, it was um, right? Uh-huh, uh, -huh, yeah. uh -huh, yeah. And then, so after that, we were with them for a while, and we had opened this place as well, uh, and, and went independent, and we've been kind of doing our own thing down here. We've got some other projects in the works, but... Beef eater, you're saying? Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, mean, it is in terms of my go-to gin for like a cocktail, anything. But mm -hmm. uh, martinis as well. I think beef eater is so pretty, and it makes a good uh, gimlet too. Like it is a good one to just have in your well. Yeah, it's just it's a workhorse, but it's also like mm -hmm. nuanced and and pretty. You know what I mean? It does nice, like what not... you needed to over like so many different well, cocktails. But then in terms of you know uh, modern gin stuff that I really dig, I really like Russell Henry's mm -hmm. uh, gin Russell in the California. Henry's. Oh yeah, yeah, From yeah. California. It's the um, Germain Robin mm -hmm. Distilleries gin. Uh, I think they do a really clean job. There's a new one out of uh, right outside of Minneapolis called Damp Fork mm -hmm. that we've been uh, digging on a lot too. What do you like about it? Well, Damp Fork, I like. Um, I mean, it's got a, a fairly like resinous quality, but it's mm -hmm. um, 
it's not that like dry, like desiccated juniper that you can sometimes yeah. get. You know what I mean? It it tastes piney, but it tastes rich and juicy and like mm -hmm. uh, fresh in that nature. So for like styles of different gins, personally, I think New Americans are really interesting. There's that one, sure. I forget the name of it, but they started like doing it in a way where they like keep the, all the aromatics under like, they actually vacuum seal the distillation. Mm -hmm. So that way all yeah, of that yeah. freshness is preserved. So like it's cool with new American stuff because they're like actually fuck juniper. We're gonna use all sorts of other flavors. Yeah, to an extent, I, yeah. I agree with you totally. I think they're super fun in uh, expanding the overall use mm -hmm. and palette of gin when you yeah. want to work with something really specific. That vacuum distillation thing is really really a cool way to not uh, oversteep or overbruise things. Yeah, uh, that malty stuff off the the malty coast in mm -hmm. Italy that they do with. Uh, with their lemons that's just like this super like lemon bomb citrus mm. forward gin because they do it in that vacuum yeah. way so it's taking like no pith it's just this I mean, it tastes damn near like like unsweetened limoncello so that's what i was thinking like, when like you said like note of gin. lemon and right. the coast i was like well are we just yeah. gonna drink so i mean you would never have it in your well obviously you know what i mean it wouldn't make any sense mm -hmm. to be like a go-to gin all the time but yeah. if you're really working that angle and pushing that citrus note that like oily citrus note mm -hmm. it's awesome so I, mean, I, mean, I dig it for that. The new American category, though, is pretty saturated. Uh, yeah, because like, it is for you, but I feel like I've got people coming in every other day. Where they just like, the, well, I have this it's new like, gin, okay. and this is the one that needs to be in your well. Yeah, and no one drinks London Dry, and that's not true at all. R well, yeah. right. Yeah. Personally, I I like that old Thomas comeback. Yeah, totally. I just totally. a little bit more sugar, I think, goes a long way. Again, depending on use, but I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there was that whole thing about, I uh, can't remember who now, but somebody in New York was talking about how like a little simple in a martini is what's up. Mm, I could see that. Because yeah, like, sometimes it it's just a little like, it's yeah, like yeah, that little, little butt. For mm -hmm. sure. Especially with, depending on what you're eating, you might want. Like if you're doing mm -hmm. like those really dry, briny oysters from like sure. the Pacific Northwest, a little bit of sugar might be kind yeah, of what yeah. you're looking for. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's cool. Yeah. I think it's cool that a cocktail as simple as a martini is a really hard to find a good one like you know i mean it's, I it's such a nuance like all about delivery and technique and all of that and mm. so i mean to get good at it is to know what you're doing right? i know it's like what that's one of those proving ground cocktails of like you either order like a martini or a daiquiri from right, a bartender sure. and then you decide whether or not you're going to continue that direction or like i'll do that and then beer in a shot sometimes or if you're going yeah right or yeah. if you're going to try any of their a lot of people can write a lot of words on cocktail menus. Exactly. So, uh, you you, know can't, I mean? you like, can't mix like, up like oh, yeah. rum, lime juice, daiquiri, simple. though, then uh, probably not as Good. interested to see what you're doing with, you know, sticks from Kuala Lumpur or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, I <laughs> doubt you were able to balance that yeah, with an even hand if you couldn't. Uh, a little, little bit much, right? Yeah. Now, we were talking about gin martinis earlier. I think it'd be great to have one of those before I get a little too parched. Oh, so yeah. What's your, yeah, like, classic? So we were talking about, like, the classic. So you go, like, do you do equal parts? Do you do two-one? What is your preferred? Well, I mean, it always depends. You know, we have a uh, kind of a laundry list of an ordering system for, mm -hmm. uh, for martinis. Um, not that you would ever know it, but just kind of a way to decode how people order their martini and uh, translate it to the bar because it's, uh, it's a really personalized drink, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I usually have a couple of ways I do it if I'm... Uh, it's early in the night and I'm mm -hmm. uh, planning to be out for a while. I usually prefer a 50-50. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do like the classic way, uh, which generally I go three to one. Yeah. Uh, we always do a couple of dashes of orange bitters. And I personally Same. prefer a, uh, a lemon twist on mine versus, uh, versus the olive. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, usually how I get down. So walk me through the decoding process because it totally is a thing. 
Like if I sit yeah, down sure. right now at the bar and I'm like, I want a martini. What's your what's your best well, way that you found? Of- yeah. I mean, it's hard. I could almost have to show you like a large chart. I should like, get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I should make one. I'm going to get some markers um, behind it. But, us. you know, there's so many things. Basically, we have a uh, a scale of ringing in a martini that goes from extra dry, dry, uh, what we call proper, which is what I just described to you, mm-hmm. a three to one, couple dashes, uh, so on and so forth. And then it goes into uh, 50-50, dirty, extra dirty, super dirty, all of that kind of thing. Um but as you know, from being a fellow bartender, I mean, so many people have such a, their own language about it. Like mm-hmm. straight up, for instance, may mean a very different thing. Oh yeah. You have to, to like go through like five 15 different questionnaires people, you know? for like straight up. They say straight up. So, but sometimes they'll say, I want it straight up, but on the rocks. And you're like, okay, so you just mean you don't want any vermouth? You don't want any vermouth. Like, and you, other people are you like, know, I want it shaken yeah, wanna... with mostly vermouth and I want the, <laughs> yeah, but the I want olives to be right? crushed so at the bottom. You want it in glass? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's a million things, but, uh. But yeah, we work through that. And so, you know, mm-hmm. for us, like extra dry is, is generally shaken and it's just nothing but spirit. Uh, we find that it's, uh, generally vodka in that case. Yeah. Um, beyond that, dry, we just reduce, we drop the orange bitters, reduce, mm-hmm. reduce the vermouth by half. Uh, proper, we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. So we just kind of have little incremental changes mm-hmm. to try to get as close as we can to what we assume, uh, the guest is requesting. Uh, when they ask for Martini and, had a good deal of success with it. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I should hope so. Because we're he, batting like an eighty-five percent success rate on that. High numbers no, right I mean, there, brother. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's always be those ones. Is like you're going to get it sent back once a month, yeah. and it's fine. Well, I guess out of that whole litany of lists, I mean, I know it's your day off. Do you want to do like two proper martinis? I would love to with a twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a gen preference, or am I picking? Um, this is a dealer's choice. Go, go. Okay, go ahead. Cool. And the metal tin. That's a bold move. Talk to like because those are uh-huh. become a new thing. Yeah. How, do, how have you found they work? Yeah, this is like the Nico Tusoto uh, mm-hmm. thing, um, which shout out to him. I love Mace in New York. Yeah. They do a great job. But uh, I find they work well. Uh, I would say that the in terms of your spoon touching the inside, yeah. uh, it's not quite as smooth as glass. Uh, yeah, that would be my only downside to them. But they look slick and uh, they reduce breakage, obviously, uh, dramatically. Dramatic. Uh, dramatically. I really haven't found. Uh, glass mixing vessels that don't break uh, pretty quickly. Even the ones that are supposed to be, you know, extra break proof and so forth. That just never seems to happen. Uh, One of my first stages as a bartender, you know, when they finally let you like, you go somewhere else after you've been like daytime and brunch bartending. Yeah. And so I'm at this stage. I think I'm doing great. I think my steps of service are going perfectly. And I finally like got comfortable, started stirring with a mixing glass, falls right into the well shatters all over it. They're like, get out. And they're just like, well, this was a very great experience. We thank you for coming in. And <laughs> You owe us $50. You owe us, please don't, you don't get a, you don't get a free meal. You don't. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess I kind of have to take that as it is. Yeah, what else can you do, really? I mean, nothing really. So what gin are you thinking? Well, I was going to use this damn fork that we talked about. Ooh, that'd be cool. I'd be down. Um, now glassware, we should probably cover that for people who are unfamiliar. Like they, you get that deep V kind of thing where like half of your martini from its trip from the bar to your table is actually on the floor. Right. But what do you, what do you usually gravitate towards? Uh, well, our, our standard is one of these, which would be more regularly referred to as a coupe. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we, you know, it's got a nice martini shape. 
Yeah. Uh, it's kind of in between a classic martini and a coupe, but it's got high enough walls that it's not splashing out like a martini. Uh, uh, cool. So this one, I figured we would just try something new. This yeah, is uh, Damp Fork Gym. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from a really lovely family outside of the uh, Twin Cities uh, up in Minnesota. Um, and they're doing just really lovely stuff. Just really classic. I had told you a little bit about it. I think off camera, but mm -hmm. uh, their juniper is just really fresh. Doesn't have that kind of desiccated, cracked old juniper thing going on, but it still retains a nice, like, piney nature. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't call it, like, not London Dry. I wouldn't call it super new American. It, it finds a nice middle ground, uh, and it's just really generally tasty. We've been digging on it a lot. Um, so Any ideas about, like, are you thinking about throwing it on a menu, or do, are you just, like, happy to pull it off the back bar? In terms of having it in a cocktail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have it in a cocktail. Oh, very actually. nice. Yeah, it's on a, in a, a salty dog variation we do oh, on the brunch fun. menu. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, really good. No, it's one that um, they brought in. It was impressive uh, right out of the gate. It was like, cool, I can put it in something right like, yeah. tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not our well. Um, maybe it's a little too uh, specific uh, to be so, our yeah. well. It's not, you know, uh, versatile. In that sense, which is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Uh, just some things are, some things aren't. Um, and so, you know, it has a lot of its own character, which is great. Uh, it is. But and it, it doesn't it's a work for every cocktail, too, yeah. you know? Uh, it is. It's nice. It's lovely. Uh, just a little orange bitters. We do uh, uh, scrappies. Yeah. Uh, off the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, I really dig their stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, scrappies is a uh, just a killer bitters producer. I think everything they make is about the best it can be. Mm -hmm. um so shout out to those guys there was honestly there was a, a moment in time when they lost distribution in chicago mm -hmm. and i like was on the phone with them and distributors like, how like, trying far to, do like, i have to drive <laughs> yeah no i mean i was literally uh you know they were mailing to me direct for a half a second uh it's bitters you know nothing, yeah nothing illegal about that uh but but yeah then we, we found them a new distributor so i'm uh thrilled they never went anywhere mm -hmm. was, like, <laughs> i was particularly with their um uh, chocolate bitters and some things like that. Just mm -hmm. nobody can touch it. And so, how does a uh, dilution work in the metal? It's it's definitely is it vacuum sealed inside so that way it is, you it's, yeah can it's uh, um, I guess uh, double wall yeah. So there isn't a lot you can even feel it. It's not uh, you can even see it. It's not like yeah, uh, it's you not can draw like... your name in it or something mm -hmm. you know. So I don't find it too different than uh, than dilution in glass. I would assume that if we did like side-by-side -side study there would probably be a little bit more just with mm. the uh with the contact with metal yeah. but um in terms of transfer of heat it seems to be about the same and like i said i do a twist are you uh in the same boat i am all for it a okay, twist is cool. just a fun thing too yeah I'm it looks great and i mean just i i think just like i go a little heavy on the orange bitters i think just kind of caking the top of a cocktail with uh with lemon oil yeah with a martini in particular is uh that's what it's all about. You just mm -hmm. arrive at the drink. It's so bright and fresh. Like you said, it's already such a comforting drink uh, to have at the end of the day. Mm, so it's... I dig a swath and, and for, you know, its particular use. Uh, and uh, we have totally different ways. We have, a, like, a little uh, uh, machine from Japan that, like, peels a potato I've real fast. Yeah. It's called the Rotato. So we have cocktails that we just put, I mean, like, a fistful of citrus right on top of it. It's, yeah. like, obnoxious, but loud and cool i think i think it's cool, I think uh, it's cool. and so um but you know again the martini to me is so technique driven mm -hmm. uh you know there's a there's a video of a, a really classic bar uh in london making a martini it's kind of like you know 
this is the, the premier martini. This is how a martini needs to be made. And it looks beautiful. And he takes every, you know, he hand cracks a big block of ice to put on there and uh, uh, stirs on that and, you know, measures the gin and backhands it from a high and all that. And at the end of the video, takes this untrimmed swath and is like, <laughs> I was like, what? Why? Because the backhand pour made the, up for the untrimmed swath. Yeah, like the nice twist is so important, is it not? All right. Well, right, cheers brother, well, to your day. Bye, man. And no problem. Salud. Salud. We hope you enjoyed the insights Brandon gave us. Follow us on social media for the surprise drop of part two to this episode. Next week, we are joined by Roger Landis as he explains what it takes to develop a bar concept in a fucking pandemic. Then we'll be joined by Josh Harris of the James Beard Award winner, Trick Dog. But the latest guest to join us will be a bartender who has worked coast to coast, but has launched a bottled and canned cocktail service that puts the bartender first. Aaron Polsky of Livewire Drinks in LA will be joining us soon. If you enjoy this content, show us some love on your podcast platform so we can keep making you the content you love. Cheers, y'all. See you next week. Anywhere you go, anywhere you go.